Welcome to the NFL. Welcome to the NFL, rookie. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the DWZ, that's right, the Dynasty Warzone's very own Rookie Rundown. As always, I am your host, Dallas. You can find me on the social medias at Salad Galore, that is Dallas spelled backwards with the double L galore, and it is great to be back in your guys' ears or in your eyeballs if you're watching on YouTube here to be streaming and talking about the rookie class. The NFL Draft is officially two weeks away at the time of recording right now, and I could not be happier. I will actually be attending pending in person at this year's draft in Kansas City, my hometown. So it is a fun time of the year for me, as it always is when I get to talk about these rookies that I've been watching for two, three, four years at times, ever since they entered into college. And on this week's episode, um, actually, let's transition a little bit back to the last couple of episodes. Um, the prior two episodes to this, I actually broke down my red light, yellow light, green light segment on all major prospects and teams in the NFL for this year's 2023 NFL draft. Um, the two part series. Basically, I covered the quarterbacks and running backs in the first episode and the wide receivers and the tight ends in the second episode, covering all of the teams that basically you should not be surprised if they decide to select a specific prospect from said position list. You should be, eh, you could be on the fence either way with the yellow light or red light. It's something that uh, you should be concerned if it actually happens because it's not the best landing spot. Um, I don't expect them to use a draft pick on said landing spot slash position and um, just it'd be kind of ugly. So I broke down all 32 teams, um, all the rosters went down into roster breakdowns, positional fits, um, expectations for the position and the draft strategy. Now that free agency has officially closed its books for the majority of this year, um, for the offseason at least until cuts start to happen immediately following the NFL draft. And so then that leads perfectly into this week's segment. Um, as I said, two weeks out, this one will be covering basically my landing spot pain index. So I'm going to give you the top five and the bottom five landing spots for each position. I have it broken down into a total of seven categories, starting with a starting quarterback category. So these are the big name quarterbacks in this year's draft. Um, if they land in any of the top five spots, I would be happy with those landing spots. Regardless, there's some that I like better, obviously, and I have them ranked accordingly. But there's also a bottom five. So these are five teams that if for some reason, one of these top five or so quarterbacks that you anticipate being starters or thrown into the fire year one were to land on one of these teams, it would be kind of an alarm. Um, that is how I have it broken down for the starting quarterback. Or quarterbacks. So the Anthony Richardson's, the DTRs, the Jake Hayner's, the Hendon Hooker's. Um, for the running back position, I've broken down into two. So a three down skill set or the big bodied backs is how I like to classify them in my personal analysis, as well as the receiving and or scat backs. Um, these options for running backs are wide and varying. Um, some people like some of these players a little bit more than I do based off of size and tape and some production that they may or may not see on film. Um, but that's how I have them breaking down. You can argue whether or not they're supposed to be in one category or the other in the comments or in my DMs, but that is how I have them broken down. And then from the wide receiver position, I also have the big bodied wide receivers and the little separators. Those are the two categories I split those up into. Tight ends, I kind of grouped it together. Um, it's kind of hard really to note um, 
a true move tight end versus an all-around tight end in today's game. Um, a lot of times a move tight end, quote-unquote, are freakish athletes. There are a couple of decent athletes in this year's class, but nothing that absolutely like breaks the mold at the position like a Kyle Pitts. So everything's kind of looped together. And once again, for all these individual categories, I will be doing the top five landing spots and the bottom five, giving you the pain index of what to expect and really how to immediately digest the information when it comes to landing spots that we're going to see over the first couple days of the NFL draft. So without further ado, we will dive on into this week's segment with the starting quarterbacks. So um, for me specifically, the only two that I see as day one starters for a team that they are drafted for are Mr. Bryce Young out of Alabama and Mr. CJ Stroud out of the University of Ohio State. Um, that was the weirdest way I could have ever talked about one of my favorite schools. So the Ohio State University, I will redo that for you all. Um, the number one team and number one landing spot for me, as I think would be for most people, is actually the Indianapolis Colts. Um, unfortunately, they're picking it fourth. They could, unfortunately, be looking at drafting the third or fourth best quarterback, depending on what happens with Arizona at three. So it's a shame that the best landing spot um, could not get that first overall pick. I think that both Carolina at one and Houston at two are still in the top five as you'll see but they are not as good of landing spots when it comes to the overall makeup of the offensive line although they did have a down year last year indianapolis is still pretty solid still a top 15 unit which is all you're really asking for from the quarterback position their weapons, albeit not amazing at wide receiver, Michael Pittman is a solid option. The defense is solid, and then they have a pretty good running back core, um, Ala with arguably for most, but for me, still the best running back in the NFL in the form of Mr. Jonathan Taylor. Um, you're looking at a trending upwards for a team that realistically shouldn't have been picking at number four in this year's draft anyways, so the landing spot of Indianapolis I'd be ecstatic with. The number two landing spot is a team that's definitely not going to get one of these two guys unless they were to trade all the way up to number two with Houston, and that's the Washington Commanders. Um, there's a lot of question marks about Sam Howe, the outlook on that team, but that team right now is set up to win in a classic fashion, though they are just screaming for a better quarterback play in order to keep them relevant. The defense is no joke. The backfield specifically, the back end of that defense is really starting to take shape. They have a bunch of monsters, first round guys on that NFL defensive line. The weapons are insane with Terry McLaurin, with Curtis Samuels, with Jahan Dotson, the first round pick from last year. Um, it's just a landing spot I would love. I just don't see it happening. So I'd be ecstatic, though, if they were able to land any of these guys were even on the fence, even with like a Levis or a Richardson. I think that would still be a great landing spot long term for them. Um, number three is the Las Vegas Raiders. I have the Las Vegas Raiders at three due to the fact that, albeit they do have Jimmy Garoppolo, their team is set up very successfully with the offseason moves that they have made at the wide receiver position. They lost Darren Waller at the tight end position but they still have the likes of Devontae Adams. They brought in Jacoby Myers in free agency and having Hunter Renfro, one of the best slot, uh, slot separators basically in the entire league as your wide receiver three looks pretty good for any quarterback at the helm, especially when you have the incumbent rushing yard leader in Josh Jacobs in the backfield. The number four spot is the person that is going to be taking the first quarterback in this year's draft, and that's the Carolina Panthers. Their offensive line has shaped up and is realistically a top five to seven unit right now, regardless of what the metrics are. When you watch them blocking, um, that is not the issue that their quarterback play has been so bad over the last two years. So looking at what you have to deal with basically right now on that Carolina offense, the only issue and the reason that they are fourth as opposed to higher is the weapons that they would be throwing to. There's no true stalwart running back in the backfield like Christian McCaffrey anymore. They brought in a Miles Sanders who's been perennially underwhelming since he's joined the NFL. And so that backfield has a little bit of question marks. 
the wide receiver core, they brought in an aging uh, Adam Thielen, but you can expect basically a very early pick in the second round with that 42nd, or sorry, not 42nd, the 39th overall pick in the NFL draft, probably to go to wide receiver here to pair up with a young stud with this young quarterback that they're bringing in. Um, but the defense is extremely solid. So they're going to be able to stay in games this year with a rookie quarterback, which you can't say for a lot of teams, but it's just not ultimately the best supporting cast right now for me to have them ranked any higher. The fifth overall player um, landing spot for the quarterback position for an instant starter is the Houston Texans. They will be picking at two. Um, same kind of issues as Carolina, except there's more question marks along that Houston offensive line. And the defense is in shambles. A new head coach, there's a lot more question marks, but it's going to be a landing spot that we're going to expect. So it's just at the bottom end of the top five because they need it. And it's a guy who is not even going to remotely be questioned for the next three to four years once he takes that starting job. Um, on the counter side for these quarterbacks, as starters the bottom five are teams that have incumbent starters right now or very messy rooms that adding one of these studs into it would just be ugly for fantasy trying to juggle it um the first one is kansas city they're not gonna two guys plus guys for cincinnati and buffalo um the jacksonville jaguars realistically it would not happen unless for some reason uh, trevor lawrence were to just absolutely destroy a major ligament in his arm or something like that over the next couple weeks uh and then the san francisco 49ers um could be an option people were talking about it but they already have way too much capital one invested in Trey Lance, who they would need to move before the draft in order to get picks, even remotely sniff to move up. They'll never move up again after blowing those picks. And you have Josh Purdy still on the team. So um, a lot of question marks with those, but those are just incumbent teams. Not shocking that five of the best teams in the NFL, those five specifically, are not looking at the quarterback position and would be kind of painful and a headache just for those who are looking forward to these starting quarterbacks. The next category at the quarterback position is the um, developmental. So these are the Will Levis, the Anthony Richardsons, the DTRs, the Jake Hayners, and the Hennon Hookers. Um, the top five landing spots are guys uh, – for these guys are going to be landing spots with teams with incumbent quarterbacks that are very stable in year one, have the ability to basically be very stable for at least a year to two to actually develop these guys and then put them into the starting roster, hopefully in the same vein of what we're going to see with a guy like Jordan Love this year. Number one landing spot for a developmental guy like this, Minnesota, without a question. Kirk Cousins is continuing to get old. He's not starting to slow down at all, but he's going to be mid-30s here before you know it. Um, that is the cliff age. You have no idea once you hit about 32 to 33 if it's going to be age 34 or age 41 when you're officially uh, you know, hanging up the cleats because he can't throw the ball anymore. So it always is very smart to bring in another guy. Um, plus, his contract is up next year. He'd be the perfect teacher and perfect supporter basically for that role as um, it would be something that he's used to himself being a developmental quarterback who ended up taking the job from RG3. The second on the um, list for me as best landing spots is the Miami Dolphins. Um, Tua is the incumbent. They signed his fifth year option. They have a way of basically maintaining Tua for the next two years as a development, but it also would be a mid-round picket quarterback that you can justify because all of the backups there have absolutely flamed out over the last couple of years, bringing a guy and on a team that is just gangbusters all around that quarterback getting a steal on a developmental guy that at the worst case scenario can take over for Tua who has both concussion and injury history
mysteries would be pretty good for them. Um, another landing spot in a similar vein to Miami is the Seattle Seahawks with Geno Smith, technically a one-year contract when you look at the overall structure for Geno Smith. Um, there is a commitment level of $100 million total if he sticks around, but the odds of him doing that are probably slim to none. This team is set up for success over the next two to three years with the young core of DK Metcalf, Kenneth Walker, an up-and-coming starting offensive line that has two tackles no one saw being as good as they were last year and really just needing a slightly better defensive line and a quarterback who is not afraid to win games in clutch situations. So Seattle sits at three for me. Number four is the New York Jets, uh, not the Giants, the Jets, sorry. Um, so this comes to the fact, one, they still don't have Aaron Rodgers, which is a little bit concerning. I don't think it's going to happen until draft day, most likely, when people are on the board, when people start to actually say, oh yeah, you're right, we can go ahead and give them Aaron Rodgers and take that pick because there's someone here that we want. Um, the thing with Aaron Rodgers is realistically, you're going to get maybe two years out of Rodgers in this situation. So you're going to need someone to bring in. Um, Zach Wilson could try and sit there for two years, but I guarantee that will not make a difference when it comes to the quarterback growth for that man. So the Jets are still in the market. Better to be ahead of the curve and draft one of these guys in a class that's pretty deep in a class that I like than waiting a couple of years to do it as a scramble move when Rodgers inevitably retires without telling anyone. And then the fifth best landing spot is a similar vein to the Rodgers situation. This is the Los Angeles Rams, and this has more to do with the injury history than anything. They've come out multiple times and talked about how basically they're trying to shop Matthew Stafford. They're trying to get him out and uh, kind of get him on a different team. But unfortunately, right now, um, it doesn't look like it's a cap situation that's going to happen or anyone's actually going to bite on that. But they do need a backup plan in case he goes down once again so that they're not in shambles like they were last year. And... Just in general, it's smart to start developing when you have that mid-30s quarterback, like I was saying. So the Rams are the fifth best team for me that I would be pretty happy if they were to draft one of these guys. On the inverse side, these are going to be the bottom five teams, and these are guys that um, if they go to these five landing spots, um, the team has not shown the propensity and the ability to basically develop a quarterback. So it would be concerning for me, and just because they're already messy with a bunch of developmental guys in there. The number one landing spot, if any of these developmental guys end up in Washington, I'm out on them because yes, the surrounding core is good, but guess what? Getting into a weird competition with a Sam Howell and a Jacoby Brissett in a season when you should be competing is not what I want to have from the quarterback. It screams a Baker Mayfield situation when he was coming in. And if that's the production you're going to get from these guys who are much worse prospects when Baker was coming out, a little bit concerning. Um, the next worst landing spot is the New York Giants. Uh, yes, the contract was signed for Daniel Jones, so they didn't have to panic, bring in a quarterback. But once again, um, this is a system that's very specific. They can tailor it a little bit to players to actually help out a little bit on this offensive line, but the skill positions are not there right now. Um, the defense, albeit middle of the road slash kind of solid last year, shit the bed, for lack of better phrasing, when it actually came to the big things. So it's just not exactly an ideal landing spot, even with as good as Brian Dable is. The third is the New England Patriots, and this is exclusively a developmental thing. They bring in the same type of mold of quarterback, and they've been trying to mimic that Tom Brady basically since I've been alive, um, for lack of better phrasing, and since they drafted Tom Brady the first time. So the thought of them being able to actually develop a quarterback is laughable. They're the third. Um, the fourth is the Houston Texans. If the Houston Texans take a jump on a developmental guy ahead of of not a good look for first-time head coach D'Amico Ryans. Um, it would not be a landing spot that I would like. The weapons are not very good. The offensive line is suspect. The defense isn't very good. And there's a lot of question marks. So if they were to 
skip one of these studs that we know will at least be very serviceable as a middle tier quarterback for one of these higher octane kind of guys only to shit the bed on the pick again, be very concerning. And I would not like that if Houston did it. Same goes to Indianapolis. They don't develop people well. They've been trying to fill this spot basically since Andrew Luck with random picks, with the developmental types and the athlete types. It's not working. Get your stud or get out of the game is basically the advice that I have for them. If one of Stroud, or young is not available at four, or you're not able to move up to two or three to grab one of those two, just get out of the game and wait till next year. There's no reason to actually stick around and try to do this, pick up a developmental guy um, late, late if you want to, or just bring in one of these journeyman quarterbacks and deal with it. Um, There's just not really a good option for them or screw it. Trade for Matthew Stafford, go wild. You wanted him when he was available to do it again, Uh, going on to the running back position. I'm going to three downs. So these are the guys like the Bijan Robinsons, the Zach Charbonnets, the Tank Bixby's, the Sean Tucker's, the Kendra Miller's, the guys that I think have both the size, the history of production in college, as well as the overall receiving ability to be three down backs, if given the opportunity. And these are the top five and bottom five teams for my psyche, basically going into the NFL draft. Number one landing spot. It's going to be the same for everyone. I don't think they're going to draft the high running back, unfortunately, but it is the Miami Dolphins. Um, Again, it's a Shanahan scheme through and through. If they were to bring in a guy that has even half the acumen or draft capital, basically, of any of the guys on their roster right now in the form of Raheem Mostert, Sorry, my dog's getting up from his nap. Uh, Raheem Mostert or a Jeff Wilson uh, beat Gung Ho. Uh, They were a a team I really like to try and be aggressive with a Tony Pollard because they are very aware and hyper aware that they are in the smack dab middle of their window. Now that Tyreek Hill basically gave them a time clock for when he's retiring. Um, They're in that sweet spot with a bunch of very young talent and very productive talent, a solid defense and a quarterback with two years left on his rookie contract. They have to strike while the kettle is hot. And they're a landing spot for running back where if they were to get any of those guys I'd mentioned, I'd be pretty ecstatic about them. The second team is the team that cut Leonard Fournette unexpectedly to me, who I thought probably for the value that he was currently on the team should have been sticking around in Tampa Bay. And that is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, Any of these guys goes there immediately usurps Keyshawn Vaughn and Rashad White for me. Um, Both are receiving backs that haven't proven enough when they're actually on the field or looked good enough while on the field to be taking over that role long-term. The third one is the one that I want Bijan to go to the most. Um, Tennessee has been in talks basically to trade up for a quarterback. I think they should stay pat with Ryan Tannehill and draft his incumbent. If Bijan is going to go somewhere, I want him to go to Tennessee and replace Derrick Henry in a system that knows how to use a dominant running back. Having both Bijan and um, a guy like Derrick Henry, even on the tail end of his career on the same team, being two freaking hammers, being able to get out of Henry next year, and actually bring in any of these guys, like I said, any of these three down backs who are successful in college, sign me up for it. The fourth person is a, uh, sorry, the fourth team is a team that has constantly been looking for that RB2 option, and it is the Los Angeles Chargers. They've done it unsuccessfully recently, and I know that it leaves a sour taste in our mouth every year of the last four years when they've drafted that middle round darling that people like, and then he just gets replaced the next year. But if they draft any of these guys, I'm I would be pretty happy about it. Yeah, I'm just going to keep going back to it with that mid-round rookie pick on whoever they select because there's always that off chance, especially with the talks about the Austin Eckler trade, that it could be a very lucrative position at the running back for any of these guys drafted there. And then the fifth is a very under-the-radar sleeper team. I know that there's a lot of question marks surrounding the Arizona Cardinals with Kyler's injury, DeAndre Hopkins, 
a parent basically leaving town. Um, but right now they're in the market, both for a running back and a wide receiver. So getting a three down type to inevitably replace James Conner, who has one year left on his contract would make a lot of sense. Um, just think of a Zach Charbonnet, just going a little bit down South from where he's at in LA and posting up in Arizona to run basically. I mean, that's a very good comp. For Zach Charbonnet, except Sharp's even slightly more athletic than a James Conner is. Um, he is a very physical runner, a very disrespected receiving back who can do it all over the field and getting to learn from a guy with the same type of grit, physicality, and receiving skills as a James Conner, that'd be pretty huge for Sharp. And that's my favorite landing spot for him personally. But transitioning from the top five, we have to go into the bottom five for the big-bodied three-down backs. And the worst landing spot, as it should be in everyone's book, is the Indianapolis Colts. Um, I know that they have a couple of rotational guys, but they don't need to bring in anyone behind Jonathan Taylor because Jonathan Taylor is one of the few running backs, basically, that still has a workload that is considered a full-down, full workload in the NFL. And I see that continuing. If they draft any of these big, big guys, I have concerns about JT getting re-signed, basically, after this year. The second team is the San Francisco 49ers. I know what you're going to say. We love backs in the San Francisco system. We do not love backs that have to compete with Christian McCaffrey, though. And I can tell you that right now. So if they draft a running back, kind of off my board, pretty much. Um, it's just my instant reaction without obviously seeing who it is, the draft capital, stuff like that. If they draft a running back of note that is has a three-down skill set, any of the ones that I named, like the Bijan, Kendry Miller, Sharp, I'm very concerned for the long-term production because Christian McCaffrey is not going anywhere. The third team on this, Las Vegas Raiders. Um, that would say more about Josh Jacobs probably telling them that he's just not playing on the tag and that, that he is not hitting it to actually the value of the running back that they're getting. But as of right now, having Josh Jacobs on the team and Zamir White, who looked good when given an opportunity last year, and Amir Abdullah, who looked good given the opportunity last year. Um, you have the league-leading rusher from last year in a system with a guy who has shown you time and time again that he likes to use multiple backs and won't commit to someone. If you're not getting the lion's share in a committee, you're usually not valuable, and especially not if you're not exclusively a receiving back. So I'd be concerned with that Las Vegas landing spot. Fourth worth, uh, worst landing spot is Green Bay. Some people like might like this long-term spot, um, but you'd be wasting the best two years of a rookie contract basically on a running back who is not going to be able to usurp both Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon with their play style and play level, regardless of what you're paying them or how high you drafted them. Um, that is, in my opinion, probably the best overall running back group in the league still is in Green Bay. I love that combo between the two. It's just so lucrative and both are so fun to watch. And that's coming from a diehard Bears fan. So um, it, it just tells you how much I like him. I just would not like the landing spot, especially because I still like every time I see Kylan Hill touch the field in preseason practice and reports and videos and games minutely on special teams still looks like a freaking dog. So I'm just holding out hope that maybe he might get in there, but still it would just be a really ugly crowded room in the long run. Then the fifth worst landing spot is the Buffalo Bills. I know people are talking about them getting a running back and getting a successful guy to come in there and basically hop in there, but they brought in Damian Harrison free agency to pair. He's the perfect complement to a James Cook. If they were to burn a higher-ish pick, like a first half of the draft pick on a running back, I wouldn't like any of the outlooks for any of the running backs in there, especially taking into account Josh Allen's rushing propensity on the team. That is the running back position. 
going into um, from, sorry, from the three down running back position into the receiving backs. So these are the scat backs. Um, the guys like Jameer Gibbs. Yes. RIP. If you thought he's a three down back, he's not. And I will fight you on Twitter. If you want to just hit me in the DMS or on uh, at me, I don't really care. Cause I am standing pat with this. Look at the numbers, look at the historical data. There's basically been like four running backs since like, I think it was 2007 that have weighed in under 200 pounds and ever received over 150 carries. So if you think that uh, he's going to be Alvin Kamara and is Alvin Kamara, that's about the only way that he works out for your fantasy team. Just saying. Uh, but also in that category, Devin A-Chain, Deuce Vaughn, um, Xavier Valade is a very under-the-radar name. I've said him repeatedly on this channel. So if you are a first-time listener or a first-time viewer here on YouTube, go look at his tape. He's going to be a late-round selection. Um, I like him a lot on a team like Pittsburgh specifically. Would make a ton of sense for one of these receiving backs, and it is a team in my top five. Um, but I like Valade a lot. And then Kenny McIntosh is exclusively a scat back at this point. He's not athletic enough um, really to be a three-down grinder, but he has the skill set and really soft hands to be successful in the pass game on third down. But ranking the teams, fourth scat backs, number one landing spot for me, Atlanta. They bring in any of these scat back receiving backs. Algier, albeit good and decent in the actual scheme, um, does not have the receiving chops to truly be a three down back. He was kind of forced into that role, how Derrick Henry was prior when, uh, not Bruce, Arthur Smith uh, was in Tennessee. So I see any of these guys land there. Um, Super in on it. Um, second landing spot is Houston for the same reason. They already have a grinder punisher running back in the form of Damian Pierce, bringing a scat back to compliment it on a team that needs receiving help. Sign me up. Third team, Kansas City. They have a true grinder in Pacheco. So again, you're going to see kind of a, a strategy and a, a consistency between these teams. They all have a very similar situation of a grinder who can catch the ball, but who is not amazing at catching the ball. Um, Kansas City, if they bring in, uh, I again, it just makes too much sense not to bring it up, but uh, bringing in like a Deuce Vaughn, a, a guy from the state who goes to school to you you know, two hours away from downtown Kansas City makes a lot of sense. The Pittsburgh Steelers are my number four team because pairing a true receiving back with Jalen Warren, who's very under the radar and successful and Najee Harris, who, although volume counting stats are good, are both not efficient backs basically um, would be pretty big for this offense who is still also looking for a third receiving option in the passing game. And then the fifth best landing spot is the Seattle Seahawks. Um, they like to sprinkle three or four wide receivers, or sorry, not wide receivers, running backs who catch passes into their offense while giving exclusively a workhorse role to the best runner on the team, barring injuries, but bringing in a true pass catching back, which we haven't seen them spend decently high draft capital in in recent memory on to pair with a guy like Kenneth Walker would be pretty dope for this team. And I would like that landing spot a lot in the same vein as my three down running backs, a team makes this list as well for the worst landing spots for the receiving backs. That's the San Francisco 49ers. They don't like to throw the ball very often to their running backs. They like them to run the ball and there's too many mouths to feed. I don't care what you say about that trope, but it's a fact with San Francisco for everyone to be successful. We've seen it time and time again, you're playing the guessing game. If your name is not Christian McCaffrey or Debo Samuel. Second worst landing spot would be Jacksonville Jaguars. They brought in a boom, uh, a boomstick type of runner in free agency to pair with Travis Etienne already. It was a good pairing in the backfield. It's pretty complete. But if they bring in a receiving back with all of those receiving options on the wide receiver side and Evan Ingram on top of Etienne, I'd be very concerned for both Etienne's ceiling and whatever running back they were to bring in. 
the third worst team landing spot for a receiving back is due to the fact that DeAndre Swift is basically already dead. So if Detroit brings in another receiving back to pair with him, you should be very concerned, especially since they already brought in uh, David Montgomery to hold down that workhorse type of running back for first and second down. That'd be super ugly for everyone. The repeat team from the three down landing spot, and that is the Buffalo Bills. Not a good landing spot. James Cook, extremely redundant skill set if you bring in a receiver, and they probably aren't going to beat James Cook in that category in general. And then the fifth worst landing spot is a team that just doesn't throw to the running back ever, and that's the Baltimore Ravens. Um, If you want a running back who can catch the ball successfully on that team, no one's going to probably beat out J.K. Dobbins in that role. He's the best overall back, like probably top five or six in the league. He's coming off of his injury but should be healthier this season than he was at the tail end of last year. And again, with Lamar, which is still expected for this team, just not a lot of work to go around to those running backs in the receiving game. But that wraps up the running back position. Quick pause for a sip. <sighs> Unshameful plug, Loganese IPA. Delicious if you haven't had one. Whew, okay, voice. I've been talking for half an hour straight, guys. You got to give me a break here. Going into the wide receiver position, though. We're looking at the big body guys. So um, for those of you not familiar with my work, I will not compare and rank wide receivers that fall into different body types and skill sets. Um, It's one of the biggest mistakes in the fantasy space, in my opinion, is that people will just give you a flat ranking comparing guys like Quentin Johnston to guys like Josh Downs, Marvin Mims, Zay Flowers. Cool. Yeah, well, it's kind of obvious at certain situations how a guy that's six foot three, 215 pounds can do a little bit more in his game overall than some of those smaller guys. But it also makes no sense to compare a jump ball type of big bodied wide receiver who wins mainly off of physicality and explosiveness to a smaller guy who weighs less than I do, who's shorter than I am, and who wins off of route running and separation. Um, that's why I always break my wide receivers down into physicality, physical freaks, big bodied, however you want to phrase it. I usually give the viewer and listener the ability to decide how they want to, you know, split up their wide receivers. It's just something that I suggest. And then the small quote unquote slot separators is how I typically have them broken up. So with first category in mind, I'm looking at the big bodied, more physical freak list. Um, this one is when you're looking at the Quentin Johnston's, you're looking at the Cedric Tillman's of the world, the Xavier Hutchinson's of the world, the Rasheed Rice's of the world, this specific class, those are the big bodied guys of note. Um, anything past that point is kind of a catch up. Um, A.T. Perry probably falls in that as well, just because I like A.T. Perry more than most. But the number one landing spot for one of these guys in my mind is a team that is going under the radar for still needing another receiving option, even after bringing in Marvin Jones and a return move from his time in Jacksonville. It's the Detroit Lions. If they were to bring in an A.T. Perry, a Cedric Tillman, something like that, to pair with Amon Ross St. Brown of the middle and the deep threat in Jamison Williams, the team would be as complete of an offensive team as there is in the NFL. And that's not an overstatement. That is an understatement, probably. Uh, the second team for me is a team, as I already mentioned, who is in need of both a running back and a pass catcher, specifically a bigger bodied one with New Hopkins more than likely out the door here in a couple of weeks. Um, two to be specific at the time of listening to this for most of you. Um, Arizona's in need of a big body guy. My favorite landing spot for a guy like Cedric Tillman is in Arizona because I think he fills that role very nicely and would complement the likes of Marquise Hollywood Brown and Rondell Moore, who they already have on the team, as well as those two tight ends who just own the middle of the field to give you a true outside presence who isn't a speed threat. I think is just 
so desperately needed by the Arizona Cardinals. And that's why I like them as the second spot. Number three, the Giants. Um, the quarterback situation long-term is a little bit worse than Arizona. That's why they're slightly down on the peg, but they're in the same boat as Arizona is. Outside of New Hopkins, these two teams have no <laughs> wide receivers over five foot ten, which is just like extremely concerning for anyone who's paying attention to how important size and weight and speed is for a lot of these teams. Um, New York Giants just love them some slot receivers. There's a lot of Jordan Addison talk to the Giants, which would just be laughable because it's like you're looking at him like, okay, cool. So you're bringing in a guy who's comparable, pretty comparable to Sterling Shepard coming out of college who is still on the team to pair with Wandell Robinson, who looks a lot like Jordan Addison when he's playing. And then you take into account you have Darius Slayton, who I guess is like the only wide receiver over that threshold I mentioned, but who is only a speed threat and can't be a full wide receiver. You just need a big body dude. Um, They're in denial if they go to a wide receiver that's smaller especially because they brought in Darren Waller to be that big move tight end, which is what Dable wanted last year, but they're still looking for that prototypical size, the the big guy down the field. That's why if there's a guy that could comparably come in and be what Gabe Davis was for Brian Dable in Buffalo, it's A.T. Perry to me. And I think that that would be a very smart middle round pick that will end of the third round probably for A.T. Perry is realistic for them to fill the big hole in their roster. Um, another team who's in a similar vein, who has a lot of slot receivers or smallers, um, they did ship off Brandon Cooks, but the Houston Texans are still in need of a big guy outside that isn't named Nico Collins, who could actually catch contestedly. Um, I think this would be a pretty good landing spot for a guy like Cedric Tillman, who's really good as a catch point wide receiver as well. Number five for me is the New Orleans Saints. They're always looking for weapons. They still need wide receivers. Uh, Michael Thomas signed a one-year restructure contract, which is cool for the underneath game. You have Chris Olave, who can be an all-over-the-field game, but if you can get a true X or Z flanker, um, it's a position that would really help this team. Um, Marquez Callaway is no longer even on the team anymore, so it just makes sense for a position that they really need to fill. The five worst landing spots. Number one overall is the Jets. Um, too many mouths to feed, just hectic. They signed too many big-name long-term contracts contracts trying Rogers basically to sign it worked but bringing in anyone else without cutting someone like a Corey Davis just would just be so freaking ugly the second one is the Los Angeles Chargers um, for those of you that have not been paying attention to some of the higher analytics for wide receivers specifically speed stats speed scores and stuff like that uh, the Chargers had the slowest wide receiver groups as a top end speed me- measured last year by two and a half miles per hour um, that's a lot. That's like 30%, basically. They were 30% lower than the next closest team in the grand scheme of the scale. Um, they have a very slow receiving core who is not the greatest at separating based off of physical traits. So they need a big... Uh, so if they were to bring in another big-bodied guy who doesn't separate well, it'd be very concerning um, for their overall outlook. The third worst would be the Las Vegas Raiders, another too many mouths to feed situation with some big guys. I would expect a tight end acquisition, not another big bodied wide receiver because they kind of already have those bigger guys on the outside. Now, since Renfro will be in the slot, Devontae Adams will be on the outside. And now Jacoby Myers most likely is that secondary outside team. The fourth worst would be Green Bay. They already have that prototypical big size and Christian Watson, who, although a burner, is a big boy. And Romeo Dubs, who fills that big body notion of a not huge separator, but a decently good option on the outside. Um, They're a team that really needs a slot smaller bodied one that I will bring up here soon. 
And then the Philadelphia Eagles are another team. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles specifically, if they were to bring in a AJ Brown type compliment, it just doesn't make sense. They would need like a separator to work the underneath to free up Devonta Smith a little more. I think that makes the most sense. Smaller wide receivers on the other note for me, um, these ones are fun. So there's a lot of teams in the NFL that need a slot wide receiver and a lot of teams that could, um, you know, think it's a huge advantage to drafting one. And I would like a lot if they did. Uh, the number one for me out of every team is the Tennessee Titans. Uh, if the Tennessee Titans were to select one of Jordan Addison or Zay Flowers or Josh Downs, I don't really care who it is in the first round, even at 11, uh, JSN, I'd be pretty happy about it. If they were to go Quentin Johnston, I'd be a little bit concerned with that overall wide receiver makeup room. But they need an underneath separator. Robert Woods didn't pan out for them last year. So I anticipate them bringing in a guy who can actually separate over the middle and it would be the number one landing spot. The second one is Atlanta. Uh, they still have some outside wide receivers. Drake London looked very promising last year, but they're looking for a guy underneath now that Olamide Zidakias is no longer on the team. Ziggy, can you stop, please? Thank you. Uh, Olamide Zidakias is not on the team. Um, and so bringing in a slot receiver would be huge for them. Um, I don't know who I would like in Atlanta. I, I, I would like Josh Downs anywhere personally, but if Josh Downs were to go to Atlanta, I'd be freaking massively high on him. Um, third best team landing spot is a similar vein. They have Michael Pitton in Indianapolis, but they don't have anything else in flooding. They with Paris Campbell. They just have a bunch of big tight ends. They have technically Alec Pierce, but he's exclusively outside. So getting a guy that can work underneath in the slot, separate for those easy throws as opposed to contested throws, pretty big in Indianapolis. The fourth one I already mentioned in Green Bay, looking for that short underneath wide receiver to pair with Dubs and Watson. And the fifth is a guy who's under the radar. They need both speed and slot presence, one of the two, so they could either commit to getting a slot presence that pushes Tyler Lockett on the outside, or they commit to getting a deep speed option who forces Tyler Lockett to play inside in the slot. I like the deep speed option more, but if they were to bring in a slot receiver, Tyler Lockett, Deacon Metcalf, and one of these promising young slot receivers in this year's NFL draft in Seattle would look really, really good. The five worst landing spots, it'll give me panic. On my rankings, number one, New York Giants. I already talked about it. One of the best landing spots for a big guy, but if they bring in a little guy like they have every year for the last like six years, just freaking stop what you're doing. Uh, second one, already talked to in the last category as well, the Arizona Cardinals. The third one is the New England Patriots. Um, they like drafting slot receivers. It's one of the only wide receiver positions they can accurately draft is what I would say. I mean, they drafted Braxton Berrios, who was a decent pick. They just didn't think he was. And so they cut him and then he immediately popped off for the Jets. So that's kind of comical. They're just not good at uh, assessing wide receiver talent. So they're, they were right on the fringe of the big body wide receiver too. I just don't trust him to draft a wide receiver. And thus I'd be panicked if one landed there. The fourth worst landing spot is the Washington Commanders. This is due to redundancy. Um, you could argue all three of their wide receivers on their team right now are the smaller slot type. Um, it is the type of offense that they like to do, though, with the spread offense. But adding another mouth with a similar profile and similar play style would be pretty ugly for everyone's fantasy space when it was already kind of hard to predict who was getting the ball last year, even though multiple were productive in Jahad Dotson, Curtis Samuel, and Terry McLaurin. Into our last category now, we are looking at the Tennessee, not Tennessee Titans, the tight ends. Um, so I kind of already prefaced this. Um, 
move tight ends is what people want in fantasy, and I understand why you would want them in fantasy, but it's not what you were going to get consistently from these guys. Some are going to be blockers, some are going to be good fits, some are going to be bad fits based off the scheme. Um, I just have it broken down based off of if a tight end gets drafted to this team in the top five, I'm going to be happy about it. If one gets drafted to the bottom five, probably going to be sliding them down my rankings in totality as a post-draft ranking show. So number one landing spot for me is Miami. They let go of Gusecki. They have Durham Smythe. But for me, if Darnell Washington lands in Miami, which is just my dream pick out of any position in this year's draft, any player, give me Darnell Washington to Miami, and I'm probably going to be burning a first-round pick, uh, a decently high one. And I'm not even a huge Darnell Washington guy. It's just a blocker who fits that George Kittle mold so freaking well and can be a true, true big-bodied threat, which is what this Miami team needs a lot. Second best landing spot is Green Bay. A lot of talk to first, but in the first, and they bring in one in the second. Um, after losing Robert Tanyan, they're still desperately in need of a big-bodied presence in the red zone, so bringing in any tight end there I'd be pretty happy about. And then another NFC North that I feel the same with is the Detroit Lions. Um, they don't have an option outside of Josh Oliver, who they extremely overpaid to be kind of a blocker, I would assume. I don't really know what's going on with that move, but uh, bringing in anyone to replace Hawkinson, with a middle round pick is what I expect. Um, I like Sam Laporta a lot here, as well as a um, Jonathan Schoonmaker out of the University of Michigan. I think both of those would be really good fits in Detroit. Um, the fourth best one is one that I was really wanting to put higher, and it's the Washington Commanders. Um, Logan Thomas is just not long for this NFL world uh, when it comes to playing time. A lot of injuries, couldn't stay healthy last year. Again, kind of lost some of that zip that he had as a true receiving threat couple of years ago, around three or four prior to his last two big injuries. So Washington is a spot that I would love a lot, especially if they get a higher profile guy that gets talked about a lot in the class. Um, but Washington is probably that spot for me where it, I was preaching this last year with the New York Giants, which wh- whoever they drafted at the tight end position, I would be drafting on all of my teams. I have an exceedingly high share of Daniel Bellinger, who before the Waller trade looked like he was going to ball out this year. He was very successful last year. I think he was second in receptions and I think second in receptions, receiving yards and receiving touchdowns at the tight end position from rookies last year behind Chiggy Aquanquo. So it was a pretty successful move. I feel the exact same way about the Washington commanders this year with tight end as I did with the giants last year. So it's just a team to watch out for and one I'm very excited to see who they go with. And then Cincinnati is going to need that move tight end. Um, they brought in Irv Smith, but I don't see that working out. It's just been injury after injury after injury. And at this point it is a pattern, not a trend. Um, so yeah, the Cincinnati is a good landing spot. I'd be pretty happy. Um, the five worst Kind of the alternate, um, it is having a tried and true guy that has been paid or a very messy room already, just adding in any type of talent that I was decently high on before would kind of mess up the situation. Number one for me is San Francisco. Kittle's on the field like 90% of the time. They do do two two tight end sets, but they have a tendency to lean into the blockers more so than the receiving type for the secondary tight end. Ross Dwelly was the only exception, and he's now with the Giants. Um, Speaking of the Giants, they are my second team. You bring in Darren Waller and have the athletic freak in Daniel Bellinger. You bring in another guy, if he's not a blocker, that gets real messy for them. New England bringing in Mike Gusecki pretty much quashed any talk of them bringing in another tight end, which means they definitely are going to 
but it's okay because I'm already low on the landing spot, already low if anyone land there. And since you're listening to the show, you now know not to be high on them as well. The fourth worst team is another team like New England who just likes to overdraft tight ends and underutilize them and not be able to coach them up. That is the Indianapolis Colts. Um, They have like five or six tight ends in the room that everyone has been hyped about the last five or six years. And guess what? They're probably going to draft another one who's going to replace Jelani Woods hype from last year anyways. So I'm out on that. And then the fifth landing spot that I would hate is David and Joku's landing spots of Cleveland. They paid him a bunch of money. They still have Harrison Bryant, who a lot of people like, including myself, bringing in anyone just... It's a confusing process at that point, paying David Njoku to be the highest tight end, um, him staying healthy last year primarily and looking to stay healthy again with another explosive option in the backfield. Not looking great at the tight end position if the Cleveland Browns were to select them as well. But short and sweet episode, and by that I mean 45 minutes here on the DWZ Rookie Rundown. Um, Like I said, guys, this has been the pain index scale for landing spots. Hopefully this helped you kind of get a... um, I don't know, dip your toes a little bit into the landing spots and potential scenarios in team fits for the NFL draft prospects of this upcoming draft, as I said multiple times in this episode, in two weeks away. Um, so if you liked this episode, liked the content, or have questions, feel free to let me know on Twitter. Like I said, at Salad Galore, that is Dallas spelled backwards with the double L Galore. Um, also as well, shameless plug here, um, I am in the process of pumping out some good merch for you all here on the DWZ and in the Player Profiler. Um, specifically related to dynasty work. I also do some work related to blue lock. If you know what that is, then you'll know what the shirt is. Um, If you are interested in any of that merchandise, as I will start to pump it out on my social media through Memphis's social media and really on all platforms here, you can find me on Etsy at Dally's merch, D-A-L-L-Y-S-M-E-R-C-H. I will have the link pinned in the description down here um i do a bunch of different things right now there is a drop live for you fantasy football folks um supreme inspired dynasty shirts you're gonna love it everything is embroidered it is t-shirts in merch is my biggest thing with those is that on my shop you will not get stuff that feels like you're wearing sandpaper which is what you cannot say about 95 percent of the merch out there so Like I said, link in the description, like, follow, subscribe if you are not already. This has been an episode of the DWZ Rookie Rundown. And until next week, I will see you later. When we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing. a game yesterday and if we win one today that's two in a row we win one tomorrow that's called a winning streak